Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio in Gwinnett, it's time for Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by Computer Design and Integration. Good morning and welcome to Silver Lining in the Cloud, where we talk with business leaders from Atlanta and the surrounding communities. Silver Lining in the Cloud is brought to you by CDI Managed Services that outsources IT infrastructure support and private cloud computing services, and also by EMC Corporation, a leading provider of IT storage hardware solutions. I'm Dom Rainey, your host today, filling in for uh, Nicole Toptosh. We miss you, Nicole. Get well. And uh, we've got three great business leaders in the studio today. From uh, Ryan Burton Marketing, we have the owner, Ryan Burton, and also from Renew Merchandising, we have their president, J.T. Marburger. And also from Loud Security Systems, we'll be speaking with their president, John Loud. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Thank you. So, Ryan, let's let's kick it off with you. Uh, tell us about Ryan Bur- Burton Marketing and uh, what you guys are doing these days. Well, um, Ryan Burton Marketing started probably about a year and a half ago after years and years of having a real job. Um, I elected to venture out on my own. I had a strong desire to... Um, you know, really do the best by every business owner and client, um, and and found that the best way to do that was to be out doing it on my own. And uh, mainly, we're focused um, on you know website design, search engine optimization, search engine marketing. Um, that's kind of the primary. But uh, you know, we're set up to do whatever it is a business needs to do, whether it's direct mail or um, you know, strategic billboards or radio advertising or television, whatever we need to do, we can look at. But uh, I've been finding the the best first option for local businesses, especially in Atlanta, um, you know, is kind of a mix of, of online, some direct mail and maybe strategic billboards. So that's that's been the focus of what we're doing. But, um, um, you know, we're a Google certified partner, a Bing accredited company. And uh, so we, we know what we're doing uh, online. Ryan, uh, so how did you, you know, get in that direction? How did what took you in the marketing sales direction? Yeah, well, advertising. It, it um it started years ago. I was a radio DJ, probably twenty five, twenty six years ago, and um, um, as I kind of evolved for eight or nine years on the radio, <laughs> everybody's kind of laughing here in the background, like, yeah, okay, I've been on the radio before, okay, um, and uh, that kind of evolved. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't, but the thing is, I wasn't making a lot of money, so clearly, I wasn't very good, right? So, so I saw the sales guys making some money, so I kind of moved over there and uh, learned how to market, and um, you know, it kind of evolved. And about seven years ago, I moved into digital. About five years ago, I started studying web design at Emory here in Atlanta at their um, web design, uh, in their web design program, and really just fell in love with digital and, and sort of moved into it. And uh, uh, because nobody owns the internet, um, unlike, say, a radio station or, or a billboard company, really, um, you know, I always tell business owners that, you know, you don't really need anybody. You can become an expert on your own and, and do it from your own desk desktop, right? And when they tell me they don't have time, you know, they, <laughs> they need to hire somebody, then uh, I tell them that the best solution is to get somebody that can be very close to their business. So that's that's kind of how it evolved to this, and um, um, and I'm loving it. It's it's really a a great life helping people, and um, you know, and kind of being your own boss doing it as well. Excellent. It's very enjoyable. Yes, it is. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Ryan, so everybody, every business wants to be at the top of Google. I mean, Google, Google, Google. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's your what's your company's approach to helping businesses get 
get get that recognition. Yeah, well, the first thing um, you need to do is you have to respect Google and, and respect that it's um, they're they're extremely righteous. Um, as Eric Schmidt, the uh, original CEO of Google, uh, once said, he said that you know we have so much data that if, if we ever um, abuse that privilege, that we'd be done. You know, we'd be essentially shut down if we ever. Because you just have to think about all the information they have, right? I mean, they've got all this data indexed that if they ever wanted to, uh, you know, be up to no good, then then they, that would be the end. So understanding that, um, you know, and then understanding that that their objective is to always deliver the best possible result uh, for anybody searching. And I think if you look for anything, like an Atlanta SEO company, or <laughs> I'm out of Decula, a Decula SEO company, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, you probably find some good results and their algorithm is about that. So if you respect that and you work within it and, and develop around it from, you know, some good, fresh, original content, some healthy link building, and, um, you know, just, um, just a constant working away at it, you'll get where you have to go. So it's, uh, if you respect them first and, and understand that, then, um, you know, that's usually the best approach to take. And, and that's the approach that, that my company takes. I had a feeling we were going to hear some acronyms today from you. Uh, Did I S-E- say any acronym that, uh, I'm sorry, I just say it so often that S-E-O. I... <laughs> S-E-O. You know, what's, what's amazing is when I find out people don't know a lot about this, I realize that they, they really need my company because it's, uh, mm. uh, you know, again, part of the reason I started is that there's people out there that are not explaining things properly, but it's search engine optimization and it's, it's um, you know, the, the art of taking your URL or your domain, which every business has, and if they don't, then that's a, a much bigger conversation, but uh, taking your URL and uh, increasing its relevance through, you know, on-site content, the words on the page and how it communicates uh, with the search engine, and then uh, off-site and your relevance off-site, which is linking. And by the way, I'll, I'll tell everybody here in this room, I mean, I'm here because this is good marketing and this is good uh, viral um, organic marketing. You know, if you Google things related to this, I mean, this website will show up with this show and, and, uh, um, you know, so this all ties into everything I'm talking about and the usage of this show on your website. And I mean, this is, this is exactly what we're talking about, building your equity online and, and, uh, it all kind of plays together in kind of a, a cool way. Absolutely. We're listening to Ryan Burton. He is the owner of Ryan Burton Marketing. And he seems to have the special sauce for helping companies get recognized. I, and I'm the only guy that has it. So everybody out there that owns a business, they, they, you know, they should call. And, and I probably can't handle everybody. So just some of you. So, so I'm growing. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's all about growth. <laughs> so you guys work that out. You listen and you work that out. You decide who's going to be the ones to get and call me. <laughs> so. All right, Ryan. So the tough question. Uh, so how should a business? So what should they do? What should they look for in hiring a, a you know an internet marketing firm? Well, I, I think um, I alluded to that off the top. Is you know really. I think the best approach, again, and I joke about this with with my clients when I when I first meet them, is I say you should do it, you know, because you know nobody owns the internet. You literally everything that's being done can be done from any computer. So it's I think I call it kind of a proximity approach that the the closer that person is to your company, if you can do it yourself, great. You probably can't for time. So ideally, maybe you hire someone to work in house. Most of my clients find that that's not the best approach. So the next best approach, and what my company does, our slogan is kind of "Meet your new marketing department." Is is we essentially are your your in house company that you don't have to 
to pay every day, and and uh, and and we kind of work directly very closely with you. So the best approach is to really have a company that, that that's extremely close to you, that's talking to you about this regularly, because it's the internet, it's changing, um, you know, in relation to the internet, and and it needs to be someone really needs to have their arms wrapped around it and be close to your company. And, and unfortunately, most companies aren't like that. You can't buy internet marketing like we bought traditional radio or traditional television. Um, you know, it, it's different and it, it needs a different approach. And so I recommend just, you know, having someone that really stays with you on it and, and shows you what they're doing is transparent and, uh, and, and sweats a lot because they're working hard. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you better. Not sweat you, too, you, you know, better. profusely that it's really awkward, but, you know, just heads works down. hard, you yeah, know, yeah. so. All right, so is it a money matter? Is it, uh, how do you get a higher ranking on Yahoo and, and, and Google and, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah. I, mean, I had a friend who used to say, is this a problem money can't solve? And pretty much uh, well, most of the time, that's the answer. Well, yeah, that's a great question. And, and you know, there's the pay-per-click, which is you buy the ads and I'm kind of visually showing, you know, the top and the side of, say, the Google uh, search result. And we're really in a Google world, by the way. I mean, all of my analytics show that 90% of my traffic for people is coming from Google. So, but it's, uh, to answer the question, uh directly no you can't buy your way into the rankings but search engine optimization is a time and talent business and and you kind of equate it to say i hate to say hiring an attorney because we all kind of you know and we love attorneys but it's kind of like oh boy an attorney so it's uh you know hiring an attorney you're paying them for their time and you're paying them for your talent and if you hire an attorney that, that's not great you might end up in jail right so um so you want a talented attorney you probably have to pay them more so search engine optimization is a time and talent business it's a manual job that someone is building content on your website for example blog posts that are relevant that are optimized for certain key phrases and um uh, and then uh, linking, and you manually have to go about a linking process where you request a link from a website back to yours that's that's a relevant link. And all of that within Google's algorithm um, builds uh, equity and builds a you know sort of a value to your site, and 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 you'll you'll sort of grow in the ranking. So it's very very natural process that you can expedite <laughs> a little bit with uh, with the right work. But again, it's a time and talent job. So you can buy that time and talent, but they have to work on it. So did, did that make any sense, Dom? I, totally. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm with Please you. listen back to this I'm, after I'm, so I'm, that you can. I'm, I'm I want you. you to know this. I'm with you. I'm, <laughs> I'm with sorry. You. And I, I will listen to it. So you're listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud brought to you by CDI Managed Services and EMC Corporation. And Ryan Burton with Brian Burton Marketing. So, Ryan, uh, here's another one, mobile responsive website. Uh, why should a business owner have one? Well, any any leader, um, any digital leader today, you know, anybody here talk will talk about the, the transition to mobile. You know, and obviously we're talking about iPhones or Android phones. Uh, we're talking about tablets or, or iPads, and we all know what those are, right? And we all have kind of... Most of us have. If anybody here has a flip phone, we're going to have to talk. But we all we're all, we're all migrating to to these mobile devices that are essentially, you know, the iPhone is just a, a, a smaller computer. It really is. And and um, when I'm designing sites, you know, it's a a screen size that you have to be aware of. And and a traditional computer, you know, might be a 1600 pixel wide screen, where the iPhone is a 320 pixel wide screen, but it's ultimately a computer. So mm -hmm. you need to make sure that any website you design and any business owner that has a site 
that it can be um, accessed and accessed and and used from a mobile device. And mm-hmm. so mobile responsive is just a site that renders itself, it changes, it kind of morphs into any different screen. So if you're on a smaller screen, it's still readable and usable. And it's hugely important because there's a belief that that most of search will start happening and most business will be happening from a uh, a mobile device. And right now I think it's 40, 45% is happening from from a mobile device. So if your site doesn't render properly when someone gets there, they're essentially going to try to understand it and they're gone. You know, you don't have much time to, to impact. So mobile responsive is key and it's it's part of the design. And if you're having a site built, ask about it. And um, mm-hmm. if they're not understanding you, then uh, RyanBurtonMarketing.com, we can uh, translate for you. <laughs> Ryan, you can hardly be in business without some kind of certifications these days, you know, mm-hmm. some kind of accreditation or whatever it takes. Uh, and over time, you know, uh, it helps you get a lot of recognition. We know that. So um, everybody wants to be, I guess, to some extent in your business, a Google certified partner. What does that mean? Well, I, and I'm, I'm very proud of that accreditation and it's, it's, it's actually something. It's not just a throwaway little accreditation you get. Um, there's only 5,000 Google certified partners in the world. And if you think about the world and think about that number, I mean, there's probably 5,000 internet marketing companies in Atlanta alone, right? Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. so there's only 5,000. So I'm, I'm very proud of it. Uh, there's a lot of components that go into it. There's extremely complicated tests you have to pass. And if that were the only thing, there'd be more. There's revenue metrics you have to meet where you have to have clients billing a certain amount consistently. So I have a consistent amount of, of clients that, that do, Google AdWords with mm-hmm. my company that, that bill with me. And then there's a best practices and all three of those together. And the best practices is kind of the floating one where all of a sudden I'll just get a note from them that says your click through rates are low, <laughs> you know, work on these. And I'll be like, which account, you know, and I'll have wow. to sit so there and work on, on it. They're always checking on you. And then they have to, um, you have to go and work on it to keep your. So you can get it, but it's hard to keep it. It really is. And it's actually hard to get it. It took me about four months, all told, with revenue metrics, with best practices, and the testing. The testing is kind of almost the easy one. It takes mm-hmm. a few, it takes a month or so to study, a few weeks to, to get it. Then you think, okay, great, right? And then, but then these other metrics throw you off. So it's, it really is, um, Google's way to make sure that, that you are, you know, really authentic and you really are concerned about this. And, and, and further, I have, I, and as Alan, my Google strategist tells me, he goes, you talk to Google every day. So I have a, uh, a person at Google that's, uh, his name's Alan. <laughs> <laughs> I won't give his full name. I'm going to hide him from, cloak him from everybody, but, but he's a strategist that builds campaigns with me. And, um, um, and he's extremely helpful. He's built 3,500 AdWord campaigns and, uh, um, he helps me build them and, and watches metrics with me. And, uh, uh, and it's wonderful. So yeah, it's it's, it's definitely a certification that uh, that we're very proud of, and um, and we work to keep every day. Okay, so Ryan, uh, here's a double sorted uh, question. So what what do you what do you determine? How do you determine success? You know, for your clients, and what what makes you different and better? Well, at the end of the day, um, any advertising you purchase is about a phone call. And it's about a um, you know a walk a person walking in the door to do business with you. That's why people do it. And and uh, um, let's not <laughs> you know let's let's not mislead or talk about it in either way. That's the end game. And uh, uh, we've become very. Uh, my company is is very much about tracking. We track every metric. Uh, we we use you know webmaster tools and all analytics online to see everything that's going on, where you rank for everything, and um, and and then phone calls. We track every phone call, and and tracking has become more dynamic. Uh, you can do much more sophisticated tracking, but um, 
at the end of the day, my clients, we can directly connect what we do with the leads they get and the business they get, and uh, um, and they do very well. And uh, we work very hard for them and, and, and care about that very much and, and have conversations about it. We look at those results daily and uh, and talk about them. And, um, um, and so so that's really the end of the day and, and the end game, and that's what we – we focus on with all the work we do. So, and my clients are happy. Do you have clients outside of Atlanta? Um, I, I've worked outside of Atlanta, so I, I have, um, um, you know, I have, I have had clients outside of Atlanta. I worked in the Orlando market for for five years, okay. and uh, um, um, I have, a, and actually, I do. I have a client now in Denver that I, I have a roofing company in Denver. Um, that I work with, so we're we're so, looking at that and we're uh-huh. growing, but but I'm very focused on Atlanta. Absolutely, uh, this is kind of our our home, and and really, I believe you kind of grow out of your backyard. And yeah, if you can't do it here, you can't do it anywhere. So, right? so we're we're doing we're doing well. So the growth part of it is more of a having people in those areas because uh, it's a little bit of a commute to Denver every morning to go see your clients. So I need to make sure I've got the right person out there before we we properly uh, expand. But ultimately, I never want to get away from the core of really yeah. uh, really caring for the client and doing the right thing. And I don't want to turn into some big company where all of a sudden we're, we're not really doing the right thing every day and, and taking care of our, our clients. We've been talking with Ryan Burton, Ryan Burton Marketing. Uh, Ryan, tell our listeners how they can reach out to you to find out how you can help them. Thank you, Dom. Uh, RyanBurtonMarketing.com is our website. And just as it sounds, you put it in and there we are. And um, Ryan underscore Burton at Twitter. We've got the mandatory Facebook page and Google Plus page. And then info at RyanBurtonMarketing.com is the email and uh, should I give a phone number? Is that appropriate to yeah. do? Or do people call anymore? Is that <laughs> uh, they better six seven eight six four six seven seven five five? And uh, thank you very much, Dom. Thank you, Ryan. Great, great. So you've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by CDI Managed Services and EMC Corporation. Our next guest today is uh, J.T. Marburger. He is the president of Renew Merchandise. J.T., tell us about Renew Merchandise. What's going on over there? Okay, Dom. Be glad to. Uh, John, I feel sorry for you because I have a radio voice. I have someone that does no radio, so no one will be listening to time. At your, the time I'm finished, they will have all been asleep and left. So. That's why we put you in the middle. Exactly. So sorry, John. You you get the short end of the stick. It's so, all good. You know, with Ryan is beautiful radio voice. I do not have that. So anyways, so uh, I already forgot the question. So you have to do this we with me a couple times. So I, I, <laughs> my concentration level is uh, I, I have... Uh, I, when they when I was a kid, they gave me a book and they said color and outside the line. I made Japanese birds out of them, so it's uh, I, my focus is very very touchy at times. So. Well, you got a great website. Uh, we could make this easy and just tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you, <laughs> yes. call you, or exactly. You know, exactly. but uh, now let's 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 nail it on the head here. Uh, let's uh, tell tell us about Renew Merchandise. Sure, sure. So Renew Merchandise came about. Um, I started in the promotional merchandise uh, business selling branded merchandise. Um, been in it since 1989. So actually started as a lot of small businesses started out of the one room of, out of my parents' home. My, 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 actually my mother started the business. She used to sell silverware to banks. And so I, it wasn't my destination when, uh, uh, when I made that decision, I, I didn't. Uh, no one ever makes that decision that they go to college to be in a promotional merchandise business. It's kind of an accident, but it's actually an eighteen billion dollar industry, so it's really pretty big that most people don't know. That's about. not jump change. No, no. So anyway, so so so. Long story short, um, started um, um, 
a company called Incentive Marketing and uh, basically went through the journey of making promotional merchandise and then in, in um, let's see, it would be, I'm really bad with, with dates too. So uh, my wife puts her anniversary in the back of my watch. I can remember <laughs> what it is. Saves me a lot of trouble, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I st- Yes, I did lose my watch too. So, um, so, so long story short, um, in around, it would have been 2000, I got the Coca-Cola contract. Um, so making Coca-Cola branded merchandise. So when you go in the store and you, you, you buy a, you know, 12 pack of, of Coke and you get a free t-shirt, you know, my company, um, does that for Coca-Cola. Huh, 13 so, years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then um, in 2007, Coke came to me and said, hey, we're going to get in the recycling business. And so um, I said, okay, so so tell me why. Um, we, we love Coca-Cola, but as a business owner, um, you got to always be – um, with big companies, you have to, you have to understand their rationale because you don't want to totally change your business and then the, then be out of the business in 24 months. So, yeah. so I needed to really dig deep to understand what the direction was with Coke. And they wanted to basically, um, from a procurement reason that, that they could make a, a, a new bottle, um, from an old bottle at a, at a more cost effective way. And on top of the environmental impact, um, was the reason they were entering the business. So that overall made sense to me. And so I started exploring with them. I took the journey with them. And so the challenge that they have is that when they make a new bottle from an old bottle, they could only use about 20%. Um, so they had to find a market for the other 80%. And so they advised me that you could start making textiles out of it. So at the time I had no idea, didn't know anything about it. Um, and so that's what I started exploring. So Coke took me to a number of recycling plants all around the world. Our, our contract with Coke, Coke is globally. Um, we just did a bunch of stuff at our World Cup, actually. So, uh, wow. uh, very familiar with the Brazil. Um, and be interested to see what happens now that the Brazilians are out of the World Cup. It could be some <laughs> issues. They, be, they better, better make sure security is tight because it's, it's an interesting place. Um, but anyway, so, um, basically traveled around the world and, 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 and tried to understand the business and, and, and built it. And, um, yeah. over the last seven years, that's what we've done. So we've done a number of programs. Um, I don't want to get it myself, but, um, we've done, um, the Vancouver Olympics. We've did the uh, London, London Olympics. So we do a lot of high profile programs mm-hmm. with Coke and other sponsors. And, um, so that's kind of a long, answer to your question. So. All right, let's let's talk nuts and bolts. How do you turn recycling bottles into merchandise? Okay. Well, believe it or not, most people don't realize this, but when you look at a bottle and you look at the bottom it says PET on on the on the bottom on the on the bottom of it and it's uh I'll, I'll butcher the name, polyethylene tri- triethylate is the chemical and it's the same as polyester so whatever you see in your nike and under armor um this is used to make a hard product which is a bottle but in the raw material state it's it can be used to make polyester Mm -hmm. as well as a number of hard goods so what we do is we basically um the bottles get picked up by a collector um then the collector sorts them sorts the bottles from um, cardboard and aluminum and all the other things 
um, and that's done at a, a material resource facility. And then after that, um, it gets consolidated and sent to a recycling plant, and those are the plants. So I got to know all of this entire function with Coke. So Coke. Are there local plants, recycling plants? Uh, yeah, absolutely. This- yeah, there, and there's such a wide degree of, of sophistication. Mm-hmm. Um, Coke, I don't know how many patents they did with on the recycling process, but a number of them. Um, so there's a great degree. I mean, you could recycle out of your bathtub if you wanted to. So there's great degrees of sophistication. So what happens is because there's such a wide degree, you don't know how good the raw material is, yeah. and it could be too far down the line. So you really got to have contaminated or exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And it, it you can get away with a little more in a bottle with a with 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 fiber and filament and yarn, um, which we make our own of all those now, um, it's it's so fine. It can't be. It has to be very, very clean. So this ended up, I mean, I could go through many stories, but over the last seven years, we finally got to the point of us controlling um, this entire process, ensure that we had good quality material and good quality product. And so, yeah, so we finally have gotten to the point now, and now we're at the point of commercializing you know, all the R&D and all the work we've put into it. So it's, and the timing, you know, um, you know, everybody is, you know, the messaging from sustainability when, when I started seven years ago was not that popular. I love to say mm-hmm. this, this is, again, detract from the conversation. <laughs> this is that, um, I, when I used to go to the meetings, you, you know, it's people have a different image of recycling and stuff like that. It's, I had one person that. Trash. Yeah. And just from a, from a even from a conservative versus liberal viewpoint, which is very odd to me. Um, so I've even talked to a politician. They're like, "Oh, well, that's a a liberal." I said, "What are you talking that? Maybe ten years ago, but today, that's everybody cares about that." So anyway, so when I first started, though, that was still the case. Um, there was still a oh, well, you're kind of a tree hugger, or you know. You were, you were. Politics of ball? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's strange. So anyway, so long story short, my, my story is this. So there was one person. So a lot of hippies and stuff were into, you know, hey, let's mm-hmm. do this. We'll do, you know. And so uh, this one girl that I talked to, she says, you know, I can't believe it that, you know, I've had to kind of sell out and become a capitalist now and become a business person where I just wanted to make the earth better. And I said, you know, it's funny. We've met in the middle. I was a capitalist and a business person, <laughs> and I've had to become a hippie. So that's why I'm wearing my sandals today. Really, I'm not. That? Not really. <laughs> With black socks. No, I'm not. <laughs> oh, man. We're listening to J.T. Marburger. He is the president of Renew Merchandise and turning plastic bottles into merchandise. I got to ask you the question. You hear about these, you know, because I drink out of these, you know, bottles of water. and Leaving your bottle in a car in the heat, does that break down and create health problems for people? Um, Maybe it would be a good one to ask. I wouldn't be qualified to answer that one, so so wow. I would I would not be qualified to answer. Okay, I, I, okay. I will. I, um, yeah. So didn't mean so, to put you on the spot. No, there. no, you okay. You can. Hey, it's all open. I I uh, I I don't want to. Yeah. yeah. So, but I know okay. that from a recycling standpoint. Um, people say, oh, you can't put anything in the bottle, or that doesn't matter. Okay. You can put anything you want in the bottle, and then it gets recycled. Um, 
Um, I mean, all I can say is that, you know, all plastics do leave residues. Yeah, yeah. So, so the more you Fair use enough. it. Fair enough. Probably yeah. not a great question yeah. for you. So uh, why is it important to businesses and even universities, I guess? Uh, yeah, so well? our, our market's been – so we've become kind of the go-to company of, of taking, you know – taking waste and reusing it and and make it in an applicable way so a little bit related to ryan's business is 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 we've turned it from a marketing standpoint that um we took our promotional products background and said hey you're already making t-shirts and making polo shirts and making pens what happens if we make this stuff from the plastic bottles or from other stuff so actually we um We've we've actually entered into a contract with Chick Fil A, and um, over the last two years, we they asked us to explore taking their styrofoam cups mm. and turning that into merchandise. So we've come up with about fifty products for them as well. So so we've not only just taken bottles, but we also have taken cups. And what's great about it is we can go to a company and say, listen. We can build a recycling program for you that doesn't cost you any money because you're already buying this stuff. And all you need to do is, you know, buy it from us. So we, we, we basically take the business over and then we'll be able to show you. So everything we make, we measure. So we have a whole certification of how we measure how many bottles go inside. So like a t-shirt has five bottles, a polo shirt has 16 bottles. And so we can measure at the end of the year how much they've recycled or used in this mm. and created demand. So they're actually creating a very positive image for their business um, on something they're already buying. So they don't have to do that. And we've launched our line. Uh, we've been in, in R&D with universities for about two years. And so we're now going forward. We have about six um, premier universities. We have Oregon, um, University of South Carolina, um, I went to Georgia Southern, so I had to take care of my my my, my boys at Georgia Southern, yeah, and and we have a number of other rare, very high profile universities, and this is really really important at the university level because wow. they all have strong sustainability. Um, there's well, a there's now a degree in sustainability that didn't exist four years ago, so you can literally get a PhD in sustainability because it's creating new jobs and new opportunities. And so, mm. when I come to these schools, they are just salivating. Honestly, I have probably a hundred that want to sign up, and we're sticking with five or six because we got to make sure we make money. We're in for profit, so that's I tell, wrong. and that's why I tell them right away. So, like when I met with Oregon, I, I talked to the guy, the head of Office of Sustainability, and I said, I want to be very clear. I am for profit, okay, but I'm here for profit the right way. And so I wanted him to understand that this is not a nonprofit, and, but I will build a recycling program. And what the basic goal is is that if you have your favorite T-shirt with the University of Oregon on it and it's made from bottles, you're going to take an extra step and recycle the bottle. So it, it really changes the world, and then that student's going to tell their parents and their grandparents, and then what's going to happen is the recycling rate in the United States is 30%. It will go to 40 and 50 percent because we're the worst. The United States is the worst recyclers of any developed country. So, wow. so. Talking with J.T. Marburger. He's the president of Renew Merchandise. And uh, so I guess, uh, you know, on a technical level, there's, uh, you know, there's a products that are, let's say, virgin polyester. Um, yours being recycled. How does that compare? Um, that's a great question. Um, basically, they're the same. Um, once you get them broken back down to the raw material state, they will all function the same way. I've heard people say, oh, 
because um, there's been a, a couple other people that have done recycled polyester and not done a very good job with it. So we spent um, pretty substantial amount of money developing our own fabrics and our own yarns. And, and it's, ne- it's not been the polyester, but it would be like the weave and mm-hmm. stuff like that. The only – I can say the only issue with – the difference between virgin polyester, which is polyester made, polyester is a petroleum byproduct, and and recycled polyester is um, is that dyeing. When you dye it, um, if there's a little bit of label or if you don't get that pure material I talked about earlier, if you don't control on that, the dye won't hold because you're dyeing not polyester but could be another foreign matter. So that's going to create some inconsistent dyeing. So really that's the only issue um, that you run into. JT, are you going to tell me you've got a niche in this market? Are you the only one in the business? or um, uh, Is it a price thing? Is it a competitive? Well, business? that's that's what we realized, that I wouldn't have entered this business because no one's going to pay more money for this. So mm-hmm. our prices are competitive to Virgin. People will not pay more for this. So if, if it was more, I wouldn't I wouldn't be in this business. So. Where, where are the products made? Um, right now, we've moved from – we started um, – I'll give you kind of the quick circle – we started in the U.S. We are just going to give you. We make a number of products, but T-shirts started in the U.S. Um, they were terrible. They were the T-shirt was ten dollars. It was the white looked like brown. It felt terrible. It was terrible. So I moved to Asia um, and made a pretty good product in Asia because, quite honestly, what happens is right now all of those empty ships don't go back empty to China. They come here. They go back with trash. Uh, they go back with bottles. Bottles yeah. is one of the more popular thing, and and the Chinese weren't recycling because they're great environmentalists. Mm-hmm. It's cheaper. It's a cheaper way to make polyester. Huh? So they've been using. They've been doing this for a while. They just didn't tell you. <laughs> um, they they they've been using those bottles. We thought were trash. So we're a little slow in the United States. They thought they we thought it was trash. They realized it was a valuable commodity. Wow. Anyway, so so we went from China, and and you know a lot of changes have happened in manufacturing in China. Mm-hmm. Saw last night on the news, Walmart's committed to a large amount of buying in the U.S. Um, and I understand why. It's the pricing difference doesn't matter as much. So we moved to the Americas. We moved to Guatemala City mm-hmm. and opened up a, a fiber yarn and fabric plant in Guatemala City. Um, and that's where we've moved a lot of our textile manufacturing. But we're hopeful um, to be in the U.S. I've got um, our yarn plant um, in, in Guatemala has opened up in North Carolina. So um, we'll be in an R&D process now. But I'm hoping... Um, two years from now, that we'll be making this in the U.S., it doesn't work if the price isn't the same. No. If the price isn't – our competition is not someone else that's doing recycled. It's you as a company or as a, a consumer. Do I buy that? University of South Carolina, sure. Mm-hmm. You know, they got to pay the pay pr- same price. People sure. don't care that much. And same with corporation. I see, like, John has his very nice loud shirt on today, his company name, by the way. It's not that loud. Yeah. It's very nice, yeah. and and so John's not going to pay. John's not going to pay more for the recycling messaging. If I can give it to him at the same price, he's going to buy from me over someone else because it carries a much better message. So, well, JT, what 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 does the future have in store for your industry and and your company? Um, well, I I think it's growing massively. I mean, we it's you're seeing more and more people. Um, I mean, companies all. 
Every, everybody here has to have some type of sustainability messaging. So we think we're in really good position for that. And we're delivering, you know, we want to do business the right way. And we feel, you know, today's world has changed. Um, um, Ryan gave me a hard time because I don't have a Twitter account, but I'm a little <laughs> traditional there. Sorry. Open, though. Um, Ryan's but, a hawk. Yeah, exactly. I understand. It's his business. I'm good with that. Um, so, 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 so long story short, I had, we had, I, I was at a conference, uh, a few weeks ago and, and, and this guy said, you know what? The world has changed. I mean, the thought that I would put on, on, on an internet where I was going to be this morning just would drive me nuts. So, but that's the way people are at Facebook and all they, they know where you are at all times. And so they want to know what their companies do at all times. So I think what we do, I mean, Ryan mentioned transparency and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think it fits right into where business has to be today. Is I have to be transparent because otherwise consumers aren't going to buy from you. And, mm-hmm. and I've got to know from the best or one of the best in the world is Coca Cola. And they realize that even though they have a secret formula, which <laughs> they have to be transparent and they have to do this. So I think we're in good position. Well, you have some great relationships. And uh, we uh, just need to know how uh, people can reach out to your company, find out more about it, and uh, get some of your products. Yeah, I think the best way is that, you know, because we do a lot of B2B, it would be um, www.renewmerchandise.com. Um, as Ron said, I'm fine with the phone number, too. It's 678-323-1406, and you can reach out to us there. So thanks for the time. Absolutely. J.T. Marburger with Renew Merchandise. And uh, you've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by CDI Managed Services and EMC Corporation. So next up, uh, our last guest is John Loud. He's the president of Loud Security Systems. John, tell us about Loud Security Systems. Well, thanks, Tom. Uh, glad to be here today. And I guess just from the chuckles of loud factors that we talked about, one of the things I usually clarify at the very beginning is uh, even though my name is John Loud, I did not change my last name to do this business. I was born and suffered for years with that. And through high school, uh, finally, years later, figured out a way to try to cash in on it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, started the company back in 1995. And uh, actually, I'd worked with Delta Airlines for about six years. And, and, uh, I was a flight attendant with Delta Airlines, kind of doing my training to go from the back seat to the front seat, went, got all my pilot licenses, got my single multi-commercial instructor ratings, and then a passenger taught me about recurring revenue, recurring monthly revenue. Didn't tell me about the alarm business, but they taught me about you know doing some sort of a job that you could get paid over and over and over again. So as I was doing my research, I learned about money management and insurance agents, and security became one of those. And uh, learning about those other industries, I learned about the amount of regulation and the amount of licensing requirements that it would take to ever do that and didn't kind of feel that that was the right endeavor and uh, lo and behold never had an alarm system installed in my home nobody in my family ever had an alarm system but in June of 1995 went to a, a local Georgia burglar fire alarm association show and at that show I learned a lot about the equipment and and different things then I decided to have eight companies come to my home to sell me an alarm system and Said, you know, maybe I could do this. But anyway, the fast f- version is now 19 years later. We've got about 55 employees. We're based out of Cobb County. We have customers all around the metro Atlanta area, customers in about 17 different states. But the bulk of everything is really based here in uh, the metro Atlanta area throughout Georgia. 
And uh, it's more than just security systems, right? Actually, yeah, it is. I mean, you know, we are a low-voltage, unrestricted license holder. I did finally realize after two years in the business that I was required to have a license. <laughs> I did get my license and uh, filled out the wrong thing, got the unrestricted one, so I actually could do everything. Um, one of my certain philosophies through the years, uh, and JT talked about the R&D factors of his business that goes on, my R&D became – you know, when you've got the Honeywells and the GEs and the, the major manufacturers in the security industry, they do a lot of R&D. My R&D is about rip off and duplicate. I would go out and learn from a lot of other security providers around the United States of America and learn and ask different questions. More of that research and development for myself is to learn and understand. And any entrepreneur that's out there listening, you can also sit there and look at the tens of thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's a relative number that you have wasted to figure out how am I going to get this process down? How am I going to become better? so that my niche is going to be uh, filled out properly. Anyway, as a company, as a low-voltage uh, provider, we um, we actually have three different divisions. I have a residential division where we do a lot of new builder construction. So we work with all the major builders nowadays, and of course, in the economic changes, things uh, we had to change as a company and transform ourselves through that. But today, we work with all the John Whelans and D.R. Hortons and KBs and Pulte and uh, um, Home South Thrive. I'm a lot of the major uh, builders. So there we'll do phone, TV, network, intercom, theater rooms, camera systems. So kind of the full line of uh, low voltage services. Excellent. Excellent. We're talking with John Loud, John Loud Security Systems. And uh, you've got some talk about recognitions. We were talking about a little bit about uh, that a little while ago. Uh, you've been recognized for, as a small business award. Uh, was it 2014? Yeah, Cobb actually, County last Chamber? month we had uh, a very exciting day at the Cobb Chamber of Commerce, about five or 600 people. We had been recognized as a top 25 about three times over the last four years uh, for the different growth we've done. Last year we grew by 54.2% uh, in revenue, that was. And as an alarm industry, you don't usually grow a lot on the top revenue factor. Um, but for that and a lot of the community involvement that we do throughout Cobb County and, and the uh, the metro Atlanta area, we were uh, pleasantly surprised when they announced that Loud Security Systems was the Cobb Chamber of Commerce 2014 Small Business of the Year Award. So what a tremendous honor and certainly an excitement. Yeah, congratulations. That's on. excellent. Thank it's, you. It's, it's, it's more about, you know, it's, it's not always just about, uh, you know, revenue. I mean, it can be more than that, right? No, so and, what, and, you know, any business that gets to to that type of, you know, you certainly very quickly look within the doors of your business. That team that you've developed and any entrepreneur has that struggle of how do I get beyond me? And it's identifying those critical folks that can build that team. And certainly within mm -hmm. mine, having my comptroller that's been there with me for greater than 10 years, um, operations manager that's been there for more than 10 years, and certainly that legacy of employees that kind of to breathe and, and understand that, that loud philosophy about, you know, the real tie into the Delta Airlines training that I have is that customer service aspect of what you came with from, from the airlines back in the nineties to what you bring to the alarm industry is not something you find in, in an everyday security business. Mm -hmm. You know, if you go to my office, you will find probably far more admin people within my team than most companies my size probably have. But there's just a lot of elements that we do from a customer care standpoint to retain those subscribers that come on board with Loud Security that probably many companies our size wouldn't usually invest in that aspect. That's excellent uh, to recognize your team. I hear that more and more from uh, entrepreneurs, business owners, uh, giving that recognition to their teams, duplicating yourself. There's nobody yeah. that can sell the company better than the owner or the president of the company. Yeah. But uh, you can only take that so far. One guy can only take that so far. Right? And one of those struggles that many business owners we have at times is, you know, one of the talents I learned for myself is learning how to get out of the way. 
You know, there's not a different element or aspect because I ultimately became the installer. I was the sales guy. I was doing the books. I was doing the dispatching and the ordering and the, the paying the bills. And there's not an element that I don't dislike of any part of it. But there was just parts along the way that I learned I need to use my assets or my talents in a different factor than maybe staying in that environment, that mm-hmm. environment or that piece of it. Mm-hmm. And some companies will struggle and stay in a certain uh, segment of where they are by not being able to move themselves out of their own way. Well, John, you know, JT even even said, you know, I mean, uh, it's it's uh, it's kind of hard to say no in business. Sometimes you have to say no. You got to get the right price. I mean, you got to stay in business, right? Yeah, that's that's a tough lesson we that's all a, learn too. That you know, not every customer, not every alliance is the right alliance. And and I, and I like what he said too when he is he realized I am a for profit business. And in the builder world, many builders would like to have you understand you have an opportunity with these homeowners. And I'm I'm not here to subsidize the building process of that home you know that's not the, the product or services that i'm in so here's the the goods and, and you know that actually saved us as a company quite a bit when the economic downturn of the builders we had 40 plus custom builders through the years and one survived only one so you talk about transforming a company and wow. growing through these years but it was also us realizing when that builder was coming to us at times saying we need a lower price or a lower price for it it doesn't work for the metrics and sometimes you have to understand yourself as a business mm-hmm. and be on top of that to know when you have to say no some people may say to have that certain key account mm-hmm. ooh I want it because I want that name well mm-hmm. you know what if you're going to lose money at that name by having that then you know how long are you going to stay in business that's a great lesson to learn that's great. Well, John, uh, there's uh, obviously some uh, uh, trends in your industry, and technology is, is part of that. Uh, what's facing the security uh, uh, alarm business and the security industry, in your opinion? What's going well, on? Well, you know, future? the security industry is usually low and slow technology change until about the last 24 months now. Now you're watching the alarm industry as a whole change from being a life safety-driven uh, entity to be more of a lifestyle. So life safety used to be about smoke detectors and motion detectors and door contacts. Now it's all about that smart device, the tablet, the phone, where I can change the thermostat, lock the locks on the door, um, turn the lights on, look at the cameras, watch my pets, watch my children. So it's becoming a very much more of an interactive tool. You know, something uh, that Ryan had said early on was about Google and, you know, the information that Google has, and it becomes a security element. You know, just as JT said, hey, mm. if somebody's going to put on Facebook where you are, where you're going. Well, if you, you realize what just happened is there's a product called Nest. Nest is a thermostat. Well, now Google just went and paid a lot of money for the Nest. Well, the reason why is Nest is a very smart device. The Nest learns about the movement, the motion, and everything that's going on in that house. It's not just about programming a thermostat. And then they started to go into the smoke detector. The Nest product did. So now Google picks that up. And now they are now going to be in the home learning other things that are going on and then knowing when they're home, when they're around. The information about where the Nest line was going and why Google now takes that information to to start to say what other element we can do. I mean, it, it is tremendous and mind-boggling. And I'm sure for Ryan, he's, he's a lot deeper in that aspect of it. But when they all start getting the security part, you're like, all right, how does that how does that factor? But back to the question, I'm really – it's that that – alarm system because that is the single control unit that tells that home when you when you're home when you're leaving when you're going to bed so if you arm the system that you're going away to vacation it sets the lights and the thermostats and the locks and everything one way and if it says i'm just going to bed it has different settings or if i'm just going to work it has different settings Mm. so it's becoming a and we've done automation for a lot of pro athletes through the years. Mm. But the automation packages that were 8, 10, 15 years ago, that panel, that security panel was a 
you know, $1,500 security board before I put all the devices on. Now we're talking about a $100 board. So with the, the GEs and the Honeywells, it's very more, much more affordable for the everyday home and you can scale how far, how deep and how, how much information you want to interact. So should people up, up, upgrade their, their, their old systems? That's the big changes. There are more changes in the upgrades of systems because people want the interactive, uh, opportunities to be able to engage and manage their home. But let me share with you another big trend that's happening that everybody needs to actually be concerned about. Here we are in July 2014. The Atlanta marketplace um, is going through a 2G to 3G cellular conversion shutdown. And what that means is the alarm communication devices that are out there in the panels. And I was president of the State Alarm Association for three years. So let's put loud security systems aside for one sec. So I'm going to talk more topical. doesn't matter who your company is, who your alarm provider is, ADT, Ackerman, Protection, doesn't matter the provider. Everybody's facing the same situation. So if you've got an alarm system out there and you've got a communication device, you may be in that area within the alarm marketplace that they're going to start to shut down the 2G cellular network. So that means your device is not going to work. So your alarm companies have probably been trying to reach out to you, and I encourage you to take that call, answer that letter, and do it you know, a couple days too early as opposed to a day too late or a month too late when something happens and they're going to say, we've been trying to share with you that here's what's happening. Hmm. And so that everybody looks at that trend in the future, what is going to happen is years ago we went through the analog shutdown. Okay, and we went to the 2G. Now where everybody's converting to a 3 slash 4G, and there are towers being pulled with 6 and 7G wire. So now whether people go to IP communicators, which is a way that people can go so that you don't deal with the constant change every four to six years of each thing being shut down. And it's kind of funny, though. The consumer is almost disgusted or frustrated with the alarm companies in this process. And it's, and it's funny that the phone that everybody that's listening has in their hand, I would ask you, when's the last time you've upgraded that phone? People forget to do it. Probably less than two years ago. Maybe yeah. three years ago. And when you upgrade your phone, what does that cost you? Do they just give you that for free? No. But it's funny with the alarm companies, number one, to even have to go through the upgrade process is bothersome. And if it has a cost factor, it's burdensome. So anyway, the mm-hmm. companies are creative to try to make that not be a financial impact. But unfortunately, at least take the time to hear this and communicate with your alarm provider to say, hey, look, get me on your list. Let me get upgraded and get that conversion done. Thank you, John. That's great information outside of, uh, you know, providing that for people. That's, that's excellent to, to know that. Um, I was probably the last one to upgrade uh, Windows XP. So, you know, <laughs> I, I'm probably uh, one of those guys. Anyway, uh, we're talking with John Loud. John Loud is uh, Loud, president of Loud Security Systems. And uh, there's some new ordinances, uh, false alarm ordinances uh, going around also. Um, around the metro areas. So can you comment on that, John? Sure, absolutely. I've uh, worked with the uh, Georgia uh, Chiefs of Police Association for about nine years now and all the model ordinance that have been written. But in pretty much every jurisdiction uh, here in the metro Atlanta area over the last two to three years has adopted some sort of ordinance. So city of Atlanta, Fulton County has actually not done a new ordinance. DeKalb has. It's absolutely atrocious. Oh, <laughs> Cobb right. County has done one, which has actually been very beneficial. I'll give you an example with Cobb County. They had 43,000 calls of service. And these are wasting taxpayer dollars. So I'm a taxpayer before I'm a business owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, my business can go away tomorrow, but I'm still paying taxes. And most of the focus that everybody's doing with these ordinances is really about reduction of wasted resources. It's not about a revenue generator. So Cobb County went from 43,000 calls of service back in 2008, and they're down to about 16,000 calls of service today. 
Um, and you realize that over these last several years, a whole lot more alarm systems have been installed, but it's really now making those ordinates so that that subscriber becomes accountable to how do I use it? What are the false alarm factors to it? Um, but I highly encourage you to, again, get with your alarm provider or look at your local area because Dunwoody, Sandy Springs, Johns Creek, um, Marietta, Georgia, unincorporated Cobb County, uh, City of Atlanta, uh, again, DeKalb, uh, those have all got uh, – New ordinances, and you go to Peachtree City, Fayette County. But the only one, the reason why I mentioned the cab, unfortunately, is that that one is all about money generated revenue. You know, they are fining and feeing the subscribers to even get registered. Most every other jurisdiction is not even doing that. So it's got a, a lot of peculiarities. And I know there's a, a steps underway to try to change that in the next year or so. But uh, I encourage you to reach out to your commissioners to say we want a better, better balance there. So, John, you're, you're covering uh, residential and commercial. Is uh, is there uh, an even mix there? Or do you, you Actually, know? we are about 70% on the residential market mm-hmm. and 30% on the commercial. And in the commercial market, we do a lot of fire systems, access control systems, CCTV camera systems. You also have the, the sound, you know, like background office, dentist uh, type office music that you would have kind of floating through certain office environments, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of access control. And, you know, a, a unique product that we do and a service that we do in that area is anybody that has a homeowners association, which many of us are part of, you know, when they have the pools and the tennis courts and the clubhouses and people don't want to pay the dues, once they put an access control on there, system on there and they issue cards when little johnny wants to go swimming in june all of a sudden they're going to pay their fees and you've really got accountability to know hey who's going in at what time to throw furniture in the pool or do other things that i don't need to mention that i'm sure only happens at never happens at your communities type thing but it's amazing what happens here but when you put an access control system in there and limit that your collections go way up on your fee meaning what you actually receive on time your vandalism drops drastically because now the accountability factor so we do quite a bit, and we manage a, yeah. a, a great number of communities where we manage the access control systems for them. Okay, great, John. How 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 do you, how do you find new subscribers, and 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 how or how do they find you? You know, we go to market uh, three different ways. So commercially, we just talked about uh, mm-hmm. we work with a lot of the the management type companies and those factors and uh, and new construction factors in there. We certainly have the residential builder market. Then we have a traditional market, which is where you will have the homeowners that have existing systems that may look to convert from their subscriber company they're with to say, hey, we want to be with somebody that's going to have the the customer care and so forth. And we have a wonderful phone number. Our phone number is six seven eight get loud. So when you think about getting loud security systems, 678-GET-LOUD, and uh, our website is loudsecurity.com, so we make that kind of nice and easy. But uh, we actually do quite a bit of advertising in movie theaters. You'd be amazed to look at the different movie theaters when people are sitting there. And, of course, you know they're not at home. They're now at the movie theater. We do a lot of work with Javi Lopez, who was with the Atlanta Braves for many years. Uh-huh. Javi Lopez was a catcher with the Braves, and certainly during the World Series victory back in 1995. Uh-huh. Um, and one of the things as a catcher, when you're throwing the ball from home plate to second base because the guy from first base is running to second, what's that guy trying to do? He's trying to steal, He's trying, right? Yeah. So Javi's line is, I used to catch people stealing all the time, but now I leave that to loud security systems. <laughs> so we've got a, a good campaign for a five-year run with Javi doing Excellent. a lot of things like that. Excellent. I'll, I'll be looking for that. Absolutely. That's great. John Loud with John Loud with uh, Loud Security Systems. Uh, you've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud where we talk Business to business. Thank you to our guest today, Ryan Burton with uh, Ryan Burton Marketing, JT Marburger with Renew Merchandise, 
and John Loud with Loud Security Systems. We appreciate you all for being on the show, for what you do for the local community and providing great services and uh, employment as well. I'm Dominic Rainey with CDI Managed Services, where we provide outsourced IT infrastructure support and cloud solutions. To listen to this show and other Silver Lining in the Cloud broadcasts, go to silverlining.businessradiox.com. And until next time, remember, when it comes to outsourced IT support and migrating your IT infrastructure to the cloud, CDI is your Silver Lining in the Cloud.